This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast, right? Oh, it's great to be back. Yeah. And I know you're excited to be back too, David. Am I? Yeah, because you texted me. <laughs> I did, and I said I'm excited to be back. Well, not. I'm paraphrasing. What you actually said was the following. Yeah. You said, you know what I want? What? I want to get a little drunk with you tonight. Not falling down, just a little drunk. I want to talk with you and plan with you. Listen and laugh. I basically want to be with you. Then I want to fall asleep with you and wake up tomorrow and read the paper with you and have coffee and pod with you. Let's do it, David. That was not me. That was not my text. I believe you're talking about a certain sext from... From uh, one of our booksellers. From one of many booksellers. One of our independent booksellers around the country (laughs) who's been proudly sold the Men and Blazers Encyclopedia Blazer Tanaka, Mr. Jeff Bezos. Yes. Yeah, I haven't read these sex. You haven't. You referred to them yesterday in the TV show. You originally called them sex tapes, and I got quite excited. Although that's kind of weird that I'd be excited about Jeff Bezos' sex tapes. But I just thought, oh my god, very revealing insight into David's mind. I was going to go home last night. Billionaire sex tapes. (laughs) I was going to go. I was going to go home last night, and I was going to research these sex. But I haven't read any of them. Yeah. Well, go and research. I'm not going to spoil them for you. I just that didn't seem particularly. Embarrassing. It that, it's just a, it's just very precise. You, you know what I want? I want to get a little drunk, not falling down drunk. Just I get, a little I drunk. I take I take his point. Yeah, I, you know I thought you they can't were, have sex with someone if you're falling down drunk. I thought they were a bit funny, and then I read them to my wife, and she said they were very romantic. A live girl. <laughs> I love a live girl. What is, what is that? It's a, what he calls her? A live girl, all caps. A live girl. Yeah. Meaning because she's alive. But as opposed to the oh. necrophilia. I don't know. I'm just implying. I don't think he's a necrophilia, but it's definitely a weird one. And that's wow. how he knows it to the rest of the girls that he's gone out with. She's oh. alive. The others, not so much. I did. That's a by terrible the way, thing because the, the implication is that his, his <laughs> soon to be ex wife or his current ex wife was not alive. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, it's a bit psycho with the grandma. Yeah, the stuff maybe, a bit psycho. <laughs> a bit maybe a bit psycho. Hitchcock psycho. Yeah. Every, all I say is everyone has a favourite Bezos sex. I'm not going to tell you what yours is, David. Uh-huh. But I did like it when he sexted his new love uh-huh. that he wants to be the Luke Shaw to her Jose Mourinho. Keep it fresh like that, is my <laughs> is that, love is, advice. Is that really? That wasn't one of his <laughs> sex, Rog. Uh, so crazy. Okay, we've got a new episode, Rog, of our Visit Britain <sighs> digital travel series dropping Wednesday. Talk about the opposite of sexting. Uh, in which you head to Goddard's at Greenwich, my hometown, Rog, my home borough, um, born within the London borough of the Greenwich. The whole borough smells faintly of you. You're, you're <laughs> What aftershave is it that you wear, David? Aqua de Palma. Oh, just wafting in the wind. Yeah, for some pie, mash and jelly deal. How, how did it taste, Rog? What? You know, I, we talked a lot in London about how much you were consuming. Yeah. But I'm not sure I ever actually asked you. I, I asked you the quantity question. I never asked you the quality question. How did it taste? Well, you could see the quantity question in my bulging belt buckle. Did all the talking for me. Eel. Eel. It tastes of... So many things, really, Dave. 
it's a funny. I will say it's a Tastes funny a looking object, and you should you should. Where it enters the river. By the way, Gillingham. Someone sent us an amazing video of Gillingham. There's a there's a what did he call them? The fight. Chris Willis. He called them a row. There was a row, according yeah. to the words of Chris Willis, a midnight row on the streets of Gillingham. Uh-huh. It's going on outside a, a nail salon. So yeah. it's probably about one o'clock. Closing time's gone on. And the police, we should post this on our Twitter. You see, a, it's a home video of a police car just shooting towards the row yeah. at high speed. And then it just does a handbrake turn and just does a complete 180 spin. Like just two people fighting in the street in the police car. Oh, it's very few videos. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Very few videos. <laughs> very few videos sum up the essence of Gillingham Moore. What, what does it <laughs> What does it taste like? It tastes of so many things, really. Yeah. Tastes of tradition. Yeah. Taste of history seeping from the past to the present. It's a gelatinous mass. But it's a coming back. And there used to be, it was a working man's food eel in London. There used to be days when the Thames in the olden times were so full of eel, you could just put out your hand and one would jump into the bomb. <laughs> I love that. Everyone kept telling me that. Just yeah. that beautiful mental image. But most of all, if I'm being honest, it tasted the two things. Well, three. It tasted of the vinegar and pepper that you pour on the eel. That's what it tastes of. And it also tasted in my mouth a bit like West Ham's past glories, David. London-based comedian Johnny Vaughan always used to say to me that, you know, all of those bottom-dwelling fish that reside in the bottom of the Thames, there's yep. the, you know, you've got the eel. You eel. Cockles. Cockles. Whatever, they, whatever everything is. Your muscles. All, all Essentially, any fish, cockles, mussels, eel, that Dick yeah. Van Dyke is probably the only person at them in Rio. Oh, cockles and mussels, mister. Uh, yeah, but the, Johnny Vaughan's... Uh, premise was that all people in the East End and South East London and in the estuary moving down into Kent all resemble those fish because <laughs> they or their ancestors ate so many of them. You all got around like that. They all look like those weird fish that live at the bottom of the sea. Yeah, so true. Come on, yammers. Yeah, come on. Come on, the gills. Yeah, come on, the gills. <laughs> It's just, uh, if you like bubbles, you're an eel, you're an eel eater in your yeah. DNA. Okay, we've got a packed show, Rog. We're going to stand up and applaud David De Gea's Pulitzer Prize winning, uh, it was honestly EGOT good, Rog, performance in Man United's 1-0 victory over Spurs. We talk a Liverpool win over Brighton that Jurgen Klopp classified as mature, like a nice cheddar, Rog. And we duck and cover after a gritty win from pugnacious West Ham over crosstown rivals oh. Arsenal. Let's go to the football. Oh, I want to raise... My first third buzz of the day, David. Uh-huh. To the pain of defeat. Oh. When the Chicago Bears double doing their way yeah. out of the playoffs, I will admit, and I talked about this on the pod uh-huh. last week, it really broke me. It takes a lot to break me. I bend like an oak. No, oaks don't bend. Oh, I do bend like an oak, to be candid. Yeah. And it's been hard for me to exercise the pain. It wasn't until a former bear... Alshon Jeffrey dropped that pass to hand New Orleans victory over the Eagles that the healing actually began. But when that happened, I felt badly, David. I really did. That I was yeah. taking pleasure in another team's misfortunes. And I'll say, as I have now... <laughs> That's what you do every week on the pod, multiple times. 2019, new yeah. way of looking at life, David. Really? So I want to raise this beer uh-huh. partially to my Philadelphia Eagles supporting friends, of whom I have many. Mm-hmm. Just the tenacity, the Nick Foles story, the joy experienced by an entire city watching Uh your most athletically gifted uh, citizens just near up those greased telephone poles, the glory you experience collectively, making memories for millions of fans. Those memories will last a lifetime. 
But most of all, I thought about Chicago Bears pain, the pain felt by any team who lose a massive game with true angst, Spurs fans this weekend. And I want to toast sport, David. Sport, which is thankfully the last safe place in the world to experience self-destruction and disaster, delusion and magical thinking, to sports, to delusion, bud fam, blood fam. When your team wins, it doesn't make you a better or more successful person. When your team loses, it doesn't make you a less successful uh, or less important person. Don't take away my losing, David. That's all I've got. Okay, let's kick right off. The game of the weekend, Rod. Tottenham, one of the games of the season, I'd say. Tottenham nil, Man United won. A football (sighs) match full of intent, talent... And attacking mentality after a cut and thrust first 43 minutes from both sides. It was United that broke through when Paul Pogba, wow, dropped a perfectly weighted pass at the feet of Marcus Rashford. Just two touches, one of them the finish, coolly into the side net. The second half saw Tottenham breach United's back four time and time again. I can't believe they had four people in that back line, only to be turned away at the gate by David De Gea and his multiple legs. The Spaniard made 11 second half saves in one of the great individual performances of the season. United held on to win, Mm. making it six in a row under temporary manager Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Tottenham, meanwhile, fall nine points off league leaders Liverpool. What a game. Scintillating 90 minutes, David. Truly, truly a game of two halves, but just one goal and one massive result for Ole, that king of turning that frown upside down. A game that felt from the kickoff. It felt almost Shakespearean, Dave. He had Ole Gunnar made it clear that he wants the job at Old Trafford on a permanent basis. Having to go up against the bloke that the United board are actually truly meant to cover. Potch. Wheels within wheels. Wheels within wheels. And for the off the game, it was just so open, so positive with a need for speed. And I've got to credit both managers. They were willing to cede space to the other. It was like a game of footballing chicken from the off. It really was. But suddenly you've got just Man United's movement in that first half. Just the um, the, the more sort of free roll given to Paul Pogba. The menace. He's a little bit nasty, Marcus Rashford. I love that, see that about him. Just a little bit nasty. You know, defenders like intercepting balls. Matic not letting free runners run behind him. Just a very, very different sense of responsibility being shown by the Man United players on the field. And Manchester United with a cohesive idea. And I will say that idea was very smart and very brave in the first half, combating Spurs' advantage, an advantage Spurs have used over and over again to overpower their opponents, that potent midfield diamond, by exploiting the space behind the fullbacks, springing Martial and Rashford into those spaces over and over, trusting Pogba, trusting Herrera, trusting, as you said, Matic to take a grip on the midfield, which they did, letting Lingard loose as a creative spark all over the field. This was Manchester United mentally playing without the fear of making mistakes. That was the biggest difference in that first half for me. They were not afraid of being scapegoated for being singled out, a fear which had been incapacitating for the first half of the season. And it worked especially once Sissoko limped off a massive loss because he was the one who was given the role of shackling Pogba yeah. almost as soon as he went off. A devastating Manchester United counter-attack. The fullbacks all day for Tottenham, you know, were having some problems. A giveaway by Kieran Trippier oh. um, straight in the World midfield. World over, mate. And uh, Pogba, Pogba delivers one of the passes of the season. Not gonna, from the foot of we're, David Luiz. We're going to talk a little bit about Cesc Fabregas uh, later in his retirement. It was, I would say, a Love Fabregas-like you, pass. Beautifully weighted, beautifully lofted. Stunning. Just takes one touch to control it from Rashford running at speed onto it. His second touch, 
a just put his laces through it into the really he couldn't have hit it any further left it would have rebounded off the post just got it in exactly the right position uh, made Lloris look naive made him look a bit stupid actually and 1-0 what a goal not just a goal but I believe a play ripped straight from the United training ground it looked like something they had practiced over and over again because Pogba took possession off the trippier slot two touches he knew exactly what he was going to do the second that ball came into his feet just like Patrick Mahomes knows that his first option is always going to be for a streaking Tyreek Hill. He spanked the line drive, Pogba. It really was to a delirious breaking Marcus Rashford. And you saw with Rashford, who was a player who didn't quite understand his position in the depth chart under Jose Mourinho, but has been given the keys to Ole Solskjaer's kingdom. And that confidence just emits from him like a glowing fox puck tracker that they used to use in the early NHL broadcast days and he drilled the ball him credit to him clinically remarkable yeah. I think the point made by a few pundits is both Pogba and Rashford were in a position at the point of giveaway that they would not have been in under Mourinho Pogba was pressing up and Rashford had not come back to cover, so it meant that the counter could be so effective. Really, just like one pass and one touch. Yeah, and the stat, which kind of reveals the change between managers, Paul Pogba has now had a direct hand in over half of the league goals, 8 out of 15, that United has scored under Ole, a reflection of a truth. And we all knew this. The Manchester United squad, we said this week in, week out, they've always had so many weapons. So many. Solskjaer just decided to, you know, employ them against his opponents. Whereas Mourinho, he was just like oh, hellbent, surreally hellbent on turning them on himself like some kind of footballing doomsday machine. Take me out, guys. Take me out. Spurs, though, credit them. Came out, second half, tenacity, determination, and Christian Eriksen all wound up and ready to play. Chance after chance after chance, David. Um, look, in reality, that game, you and I have said it to each other, it could have been 5-1. It could have been a, and this is very difficult, I think, for Man United observers of, of Solskjaer. On the one hand, you think six wins in a row, he's going to get the job, no problem. But you then look at the second half performance. Where was the identity? Where was that ability to hold down the midfield? What happened to this team in the second half? But David De Gea, Rog, David De Gea, what an unbelievable performance. Oh, 11 shots on target and David De Gea, a bold claim, I'll throw this out there, Possibly the best Dave now since Matthews. Kick save after blithely brazen kick save using his feet successfully where most other goalkeepers would try and get down, use their hands and have that ball just scurry under their flailing bodies. Answer this for me, David. Was it a superlative goalkeeping display? Or did Tottenham, you know, just keep kicking the ball right at him? Look, I think if you take any of those individual saves and look at them individually and if he had on the men's blade show if he hadn't have saved them you'd have been saying oh he's not going to be happy going looking at the replay of that but 11 of them constantly in the right position constantly forcing the striker forcing the attacking player into a decision about where to go and put it that leads them to go and put it too close to him in a place where he can go and save he must get credit for doing it time and time and time again and also getting into the striker's heads after yeah. a while when a goalkeeper is in that kind of the zone you see the doubt in the striker's minds which makes them second guess third guess as they pull their feet back it's misleading to say they kept kicking the ball right at him 
because what that does is discounts, which are something that I think is De Gea's greatest quality, his positioning. Is where he was actually at. Yeah. His <laughs> at position was pretty good. It happens before the shot and it makes it look as if the strike is hitting the ball right at him. But his placement is remarkable. His reflexes are remarkable. Yes, part of it is also that Llorente is just a bit crap. But the thing I love most about De Gea when he's in the, in the zone is just how nonchalant he looks, David. He looks just constantly like everything ain't no big deal. You've got to think, if you're a defender and you look at your goalkeeper just pulling off an amazing save and then just being like, ain't no big deal, it must just fill you with just a joy, a confidence, and a deep, deep love. You're not embarrassed by this guy. He's a wall, concrete or steel slats. And United, they were under siege for that last 30. They definitely tired. Big shout out, I will say, to Lindelof and Herrera, who I thought were magnificent. But huge, huge respect. We can't, I cannot say this enough to De Gea. To me, Brad Guzan with hair, highest accolade I can pay to a goalkeeper. And as I tweeted, in this game, he stared down three of the greatest goal machines in the Premier League. Son, Harry Kane and Mr. Philip Jones. And none on this day could find a way past him. Who says a 1-0 can't be a scintillating spectacle? Michael Davis. Oh, it was an amazing game. It's a great game of football. One of my favourite games of the season. We've had some great Premier League games this season. Positive, uh, joyous, yeah, tactically compelling. between the big teams, which isn't always the case. But this was fantastic to watch. And Thrilling. Another one that was won and lost by the finest of margins. But from a Spurs perspective, two home defeats on the run now. I mean, a defeat in which I ate for them. They created enough chances, really, to win this with ease. <sighs> They've lost again at the home of football that's not their home. Uh, they've got an unreplenished squad that doesn't have many replacement parts. They look stretched, fatigued, running on empty. Wink, Sissoko, exhausted. Dembele off to China. Thank God, because I've never been able to say his name right. And J-Dubs has to make me take pickups almost every bloody week. Dyer, Wanyama out for a while. Mm. Son. Happy birthday, Eric Dyer. Off to the Asian Cup. And worst of all, Dave, Harry Kane limping off on a worn-down ankle ligament. Their squad is going to be tested. As most squads are tested at some point in the season, Tottenham, having replenished themselves less than any other team in the off-season last year, they're going to be tested. Oh, and news as we pod that Harry Kane is not expected back to training till March. He's got bounce-back ability bones. You said that he... Oh, he, he comes back like a ginger, he Roger. Does. He comes back like De Bruyne. Kane and Kevin De Bruyne. The t- the, yeah. I, when they say it's going to be two months, normally I think for a player, oh. normally it's at least three. But for him, I think it will probably be about one He in the face of back. ligament damage, Roger. <laughs> he loves it. He gobbles down that horse placenta yeah. like nobody's business. Watching him limp off as a symbol of a season faltering. Nine points behind Liverpool. I'm guessing the focus now, locking down a Champions League place rather than winning it all. Their lack of summer transfer dealing still a head shaker. I asked over Twitter, what emotions did Spurs fans feel after an exhilarating game? Did they feel disappointment at the loss or a sense that they created so many chances? They just came on the day up against a god, a world-class performance for the ages from the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. At David Perris, 1619 seemed to sum up most fans' thoughts. He said, Knowing we were beaten by a stellar performance is fine. The hurtful part is knowing there's no money, no stadium, no squad depth, and the possibility to have our crucial players leave us this summer for Madrid or Barcelona. I did love at Topple Oceans who tweeted, I felt near disbelief. Why couldn't they lift any of those shots above ankle level? And then total disbelief that of all the songs they could play at the end of the game, 
Spurs blast Mr. Jones by the Counting Crows at full time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, any Spurs fans, I would love to know why. I, I'm guessing there's some science that no song clears a stadium quicker than, than, than the Counting Crows, Mr. Jones, but there's got to be some science. There was a silver lining, though, Dave. Mm. Potch may not be as attractive to Old Trafford now. Yeah, I've got to tell you, I'm less interested in the Tottenham story coming out of this game because it feels like it's the same old story again and again and again. Tottenham knocking on the door. Tottenham not quite being good enough to lift some silverware. This year, they could win the Carabao Cup, the big one. They've got a 1-0 advantage against Chelsea in the semi-finals. That leg being played, I think, middle of next week. You want to talk about United? But United is where the interest lies coming out of this game. Suddenly surging United. Tottenham, you know, I think they're just maybe a point ahead of Chelsea in the Champions League race, who are Chelsea, like, surging in fourth. Not playing very good football, but six points clear of Arsenal. You've got... Arsenal, very, very good team sitting there in fifth place. Man United coming up the rear, now looking like they're in form. They've won six in a row. i got to tell you, Tottenham, a Champions League place is not assured for Tottenham going into next season. And there's momentum with other teams. And Man United now, what they do, how they handle this manager situation... What they do with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it's just, this is fascinating. So let's look me. at it, because it was a massive win for Ole. It was a six on the bounce, a yeah. club record for a new manager. And it was one in which he finally proved he could beat opposition outside the bottom half of the table, like the Kansas City Chiefs winning a big boy playoff game. He's got credibility now. He's definitely, I mean, it's a fight to be full-time manager. You've got rumours of Gareth Southgate, which is truly befuddling. You've got Diego Simeone. You've got Poch, who's probably the interest downgraded after this one game. I mean, the United manager search, it's like the worst edition of the mass singer of all time. I think they should appoint the pineapple. What does he have to do, in your mind, to get full-time job, Ole Solskjaer, David? Because he clearly wants it. What does he have to do? Well, I think he's got to do more than he's done right now because you just look at the resume. And unfortunately, I went back and I looked at his record at Mulder. Obviously, the this slightly regrettable spell at Cardiff City. Yeah, we've all great managers have had sloppy times in Wales. Yeah, he's right, had Bob? a... There isn't anything really in his resume that would make you think this is a dominant, world-class elite manager. Man United see themselves as a club that are attracting the world-class elite managers. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has not been on that list. He just may be tailor-made. Bob Bradley is really. He did well in Norwegian football. In the Tipperlagen. He did, he did all right. He did a short spell in well, Wales. What I, would say, what I would say is Ole is closer to Bob Bradley than he is to Potch or is to some of the elite managers in terms of, in terms of his, his global desirability. And so Man United have an arrogance as a club. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I like arrogance. They should have arrogance as a club. They're a big club. And I think in their mind, even though Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was a star player for them, this is not what they really had in mind. Secondly, I know that you can look at that game and see tactically this is what Man United are doing. Tactically, it's all changed. Tactically, the idea is very, very different. I'm not sure that that's exactly what I see from this performance. I see individual players taking responsibility, having the shackles taken off of them. I think individual players doing very, very good things. But those same individual players in the second half of that game weren't doing very good things. And I I sort of think that there is some tactical limitation. I think he's going to have to have a stunning second half of the season to go and get the full-time job. I think Mulder expect him back in May. So He could job share with Bob uh, Bradley. I don't know what's going on. The two of them on. could like platoon manage uh, yeah. Manchester United, yeah. different off-seasons. Look, job sharing. Yeah, yeah. I love Look, that. That's a, just throwing out solutions, Glazers. We know you listen. I mean, I think there's no rush to 
announce a new manager while he's doing so well. Ultimately, to me, it's all about top four place. If he can drive United into that top four echelon of the table after being given such a false start by Jose Mourinho, I think it's incredibly hard to remove him politically incredibly hard to remove him. He's brought happiness to a locker room. I mean, David De Gea said it himself, Pogba said it himself post-game, that he's brought man management, he's brought a joy. Before there was just gossip. Can you imagine driving in? They always show the driving in photos to training in their Jaguars, their Bentleys, but just the faces on the United players, so grim the first half of the season, just the gossip, the grind, the I soap opera turmoil. you think that any of these players are driving Jaguars. Oh, but they're like, <laughs> what? I don't know. What can I tell you? Yeah. What can, none of them, I know none of them are driving Toyota Siennas, and that's yeah, the only not. other car that Probably I know. Not. But the, 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 it's like, they get there and they're like, who's he scapegoating today? It's Luke Shorey. Oh, Shorey again. Oh, God. Mm. Now they've got joy. They've got competition and they've got winning. They were eight points behind Arsenal when he became the caretaker manager on 9th December. They're now level on points. And as De Gea said post-game, this, this is the real Manchester United. So I just say, look out Premier League. It's the most riveting story to me of the second half of the season. Another riveting story. Liverpool, Rog, they go to Brighton. They win 1-0. Jurgen Klopp's men stave off a third straight loss in all competitions. Thanks to a pragmatic performance on the South Coast, Liverpool had more than 70% possession but failed to create much until Mo Salah drew a 50th-minute penalty, which he proceeded to blast home from a sideways run-up. Damien Lewis's red men stay top of the table, four <laughs> points clear of Manchester City. I was chatting to Brian Copperman of Billions, and he was talking about what a talent Damien Lewis is. And he was telling me all the things that Damien Lewis can do unbelievably well. And I said to him, do you know Damien Lewis is possibly one of the top two air trombonists I've ever seen in my life. And I pulled up that video of Damien Lewis. If you've not seen it, it came out right before the Champions League. Mary Sanger version of Alay, 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 where he just improvs some air trombone, just in the most staggering way. I'm kind of hoping there'll be, when Billions comes back out, which is very soon, they'll have an episode where Axe, for reasons which are absolutely pertinent to the storyline, does air trombone. And if he does... We got Liverpool to thank. For I did it. see the episode where he was playing tennis with Maria Sharapova. Yeah, yes. Apparently, that was his own. T- that was what he was saying. He was saying he's so talented. He's a great tennis player. I was like, he's a good tennis. They didn't need a stunt double for the tennis yeah, shots. Okay. They used Damon okay. Lewis. He's okay. But it would have been better if he like did a backhand and then put his racket down, started to air trombone. you hits a decent single-handed backhand. You can see it in that episode. Oh, David's not impressed. He's a decent tennis he's player. He's a better air tromboner than he is a tennis player. Yeah. Which is probably, you could say the same about Andy Murray. <laughs> God, we love you, Andy, and we'll miss you. Um, what were we talking about? Liverpool, the trap game! Yeah. The trap game against Brighton. I love that word in the end, the trap game. Well, it wasn't a trap game. I was hoping it would be, but Chris Hewton's side, unbeaten in four games. They'd made the Amex Stadium a fortress. They kept their shape. They dared Liverpool to break them down. It did take a while, 49 minutes. But then Pascal Gross went or sweep the leg, Johnny on Mo Salah. And Cairo, Harry Kane, 17th of the season, the one-season wonder who keeps scoring. That was it, David. Kind of when Liverpool scored, this Liverpool, mm-hmm. you kind of know it's like the Chicago Bears 81. You know it's lights out. That defence, it's like smothering. 
continuing to win, continuing to pile the pressure on the teams coming up behind them, continuing to find a way to eke out results. There's a pragmatism about this Liverpool side that I'm not sure many of us really saw. We saw yeah. scintillating, we saw thrilling, we saw Gagan pressing. I'm not sure we saw this level of we, pragmatism. And we didn't see Klopp suddenly going all German Buddy Ryan, that we will have to cope now without Trent Alexander-Arnold out for a month after this one with a knee problem. The Liverpool penalties, I'm not saying Salah dive because he didn't. He didn't in this one. And he doesn't. Don't at me, bro. And I'm not saying the Premier League would like Liverpool to win their first title in 29 years. Good for business. I'm not saying they wouldn't like it. But who do you think has won the most penalties since Christmas Day? Davo. I don't know. Would it be Liverpool, Rog? With four. <laughs> yes. They've had four penalties. Astonishing. Since Christmas bloody day. Now... Everybody else nearest to them has had one. That includes Ah. Manchester City, includes Everton. Now, I'm not floating conspiracy theories, Uh but the smashing of a 29-year-old drought for a team who have a global footprint and fans who are thirsty, it's a bit Goodelli, wouldn't you say, David? You, this is one of the differences between you and I. Is you always see these sort of wheels between wheels. You see executives <clears throat> at networks and leagues yes. being able to like get together, be organised, yeah. and make sort of decisions to yeah. be able to run conspiracies. Yeah. And having been in some of those executive suites, I know that executives have no idea what they're doing. And usually everything that happens is happening as a result of lack of communication, epic failure and a lack of confidence in any decision-making. Oh, you don't take away my, my conspiracy theories and my quanon. I've got nothing to believe in, apart from Manchester City. Yeah, well, Come on, Manchester City. Yeah, they beat Wolves 3-0. City follow-up last round's win over Liverpool with a routine 3-0 trouncing of top six stumbling block Wolves. A Gabriel Jesus brace and a Connor <laughs> Cody own goal. See Pep's mob comfortably slide past the Wolves team playing with 10 men for the majority of the game after silly Willy Borley was sent off in just the 19th minute. Oh, City show that they're quite happy in their new role as hunters, Uh chasing down Liverpool over a long distance for the rest of the season, hunting, tracking, waiting, pursuing with technique and patience. A bit like Somali Kenyan herdsmen tiring out their cheetah prey. They made short work of repeat giant killers, the LA Wolves, took the leader within 10 minutes a goal that was I will say like watching Manchester City play all of their greatest hits at one time Laporte just an incisive pass the kind that defenders shouldn't be able to do I mean most central midfielders in the Premier League could not pass the ball with such vision as Laporte springing Sané charging down that flank to pull it back for the streaking striker to stab home from close range not much else David in that game, especially when they went down to 10 men, Wolves, I think the only joy watching this for neutrals was listening to Wolves fans who spent the rest of the game chanting, this is a library, this is a library, in their Birmingham accents at just a incredibly stagnant Bordetti had. David Silver, though, we should give him a little love, David. 267 Premier League appearances, club Whoa, record. Amazing. 184 with his own hair. Eight years of bald, proud bald. And then three with someone else's hair. Where does he rank in your mind as a, you can say, as a Spaniard import, which we'll get to assess and maybe we won't go there, but just as a, a city. I, I always say he's the greatest player City have ever had. And then people sting me like, yeah, Aguero. I actually think that what happens a little bit with these City players, and I think Aguero is one and Silva is another, it's they're a little underrated. is people don't realise how good they are. And if you've seen these guys play live, They are just so impressive. Television, I don't think, always does David Silva or Sergio Aguero justice. You don't realise actually how physical they are. You don't realise how much they move. You don't realise 
everything they do. You don't realize how their other teammates look for them constantly during the game. Um, I think Silva is a fantastic Premier League player. You know, we constantly... Oh, he's amazing. One, one thing I find difficult in sport is we're constantly rewarding promise over actual results, over people who've actually done it, who've appeared again and again, who've been fit to play again and again, who've scored, who've assisted, who've done these things. And Silva is somebody who's delivered again... Not you, again Christian Not you. David Silva okay. is somebody who has delivered again and again and again and again for season after season after season. And these are the players that we should really be getting excited over, not necessarily people who haven't kicked a ball in the Premier League yet. <sighs> OK, Rod, Chelsea 2, Newcastle 1. After failing to score in their previous two league matches at Stamford Bridge, Sarri's Fire! men found a way through after just nine minutes when David Luiz put a no-look long ball at the tiny feet of Scampering Pedro, who coolly oh, dinked it over Martin Dubravka. Newcastle pulled one back just before halftime through a Kieran Clark header. But in the 57th minute, Willian hit DeAndre Yedlin with a little Sao Paulo side shuffle before blasting past Dubravka. Newcastle slip into the drop zone while Chelsea extend their fourth place cushion to six points. It's the old game. Sarri ball. Yeah. Stumbling along. You know, we've been charmed by the mix of fast-paced passing and daring superstitions and multi-packet-a-day tobacco addiction. That charmed us. But the charm's wearing off. Goals have dried up. Low expectations going into this one. And I will say those low expectations were barely met. A Kieran Clark-inspired goal for both teams. Chelsea's fantastic. But, you know, the passing machine, formerly known as Jorginho, spluttering in this one. Yeah. You could hear the murmurs and disappointment when it was 1-1 at half time. And just the general crowd knows better than Sarriisms murmuring all around Stamford Bridge. Yeah. The winner, though, was sparkling. Yeah, the winner was sparkling. But, you know, Chelsea falling back on some old tropes here. They're sort of going 1-0 up and then just playing around, passing the yeah. ball side to side and not really pressing on and doing anything. This has, like, been a Chelsea problem for years and years and years. Chelsea's goal came from, you know, the result of football, which doesn't feel to me especially like Sarri ball, which is a long ball from David Luiz to a streaking Pedro. You know, it's a is that really tactically what we're trying to achieve? Because in the final third of the field, Chelsea rarely create anything. Yeah, with I mean, so Hazard, many talented. Hazard, your false nine barely got on the ball yeah, in that first half. And, you know, and players are finding it quite easy to go and play against. I think a lot of teams have figured out the Sarri ball that Sarri is playing with Chelsea. Yes, Willian, amazing individual effort for the final goal. But Chelsea, amazing. the odd thing is, amazing. they're sitting there in fourth place. They're six points ahead of Arsenal. But we're probably more excited about the teams below them than we are about Chelsea right now. You know, and yes, there was the win against Man City that was great. But they just constantly sputtering, sputtering, stopping and starting. Now feels like there may be a problem with Jorginho. He may have some kind of injury, may have, a, may have an issue. Huge amount of turmoil. And by yeah. the way, when you say Sarri Ball, there's not a new evolution of it. I think yeah. his best idea thus far is he's petitioned to uh, get the Premier League to allow him to smoke real cigarettes during the game than just the fake ones. I mean, the bright time for Chelsea, well, A, they're not Newcastle who tumble into the bottom three and Cardiff at the weekend, huge game for Newcastle because they face City and Spurs in the games that follow. But Chelsea, six-point gap between them and fifth, real breathing room, which will allow for the occasional, the occasional cerebral wobble. Mm. And there's going to be wobbles. You've got Arsenal next weekend. Yeah. Ton of transfer activity. Iguain mm. in is possible. Callum Hudson-Odoi, unbelievably, out is looking ever more possible. Callum Wilson of Bournemouth, possibly in. Maybe. Morata. Oh, that poor man. By the way, he looks less and less a goal-scoring threat and more likely to be on the next season of The Bachelor. He's great looking. 
He's an ex-pro athlete with nothing better to do, and he's a virgin. And then he got Sesk. Farewell to Monaco. How, Davo, are you feeling about that man? Look, I think the only thing that I wouldn't include it in that is the is Sesk being. I think all of you are right about turmoil on every single one of those. I don't. I think the Sesk issue is something separate. He was not getting to play in the Premier League. He was not a player that suited Sarri in terms of the way he played football. Uh, definitely not as mobile as he once was, but still capable of playing very, very good football on the right team. I think Sesk is an interesting thing. I actually got quite emotional watching Sesk's final appearance. Um, in the League Cup. In the League Cup at Stamford Bridge. And he went off, and when you actually just look at his stats, 111 assists, 50 goals, and 350 appearances oh. in the Premier League. It's the second most assists all time in the Premier League, only behind... After Tony Hibbert or, uh, or Ryan Stephen Giggs, Roger, Ryan Giggs. And Sesk is not a player, I think he's another player we mentioned, David Silva, we mentioned Sergio Aguero earlier. He's a player who doesn't get a lot of credit, partly because he left one team and went to another. And so, you know, Arsenal fans decide to hate him. And now opposing fans of other teams have got two teams they hate who he's gone and represented. So he's never going to get a lot of credit. And a bit rattish, even at Chelsea. A bit rattish, meaning what? I mean, not a a nice guy. A lot of the backsplash to Jose Mourinho being fended off. Yeah, a little bit. A lot lot of it ended up being... A little bit, but I'm surprised other people don't like him more for that. But it's a... (laughs) Certainly, (laughs) there are lots of reasons to like that. He's a phenomenal... Premier League servant, a phenomenal servant to two clubs, I would argue, to Chelsea and to Arsenal. And, uh, and I think we're Barcelona. Gonna, um, yes, and we're going to miss him in the Premier League. I watch. mean, when he came through as a team with Arsenal, I just remember all of that skill, all of that skill. He had a, a just an incredible bravado and confidence as a, as a late teenager. He had a beautiful mullet, gorgeous, just classic footballing mullet which he got rid of and he should have done arguably the mullet. He was never the same footballer again. But he seemed like he'd become one of the greatest footballers in the world. And, and maybe his crime is that he didn't. You're right, the stats are remarkable when you mm. look at them eye-popping, especially in the Premier League. And in the end, I think he'll be remembered, and I say this with admiration, as one of the single greatest spite-motivated players of all time. Huh. If there was a big game with a bit of an edge in that game, that was when Sesk always truly excelled. Hate was his Gatorade, David. That's what I think about when I think about it. You know, I, never, you know I don't. You know I don't agree with any of that. Sess, this is Sess, I don't, I drink I don't like the word hate. I don't like the idea of people being motivated by spite. But if I grant you the front half of that equation, yeah. what he turned that spite into was Amazing. into moments of creative beauty. Is he wasn't like getting in there by like fighting in those moments and like going in for the hard tackle. He would open defences oh. apart with a pass that nobody else saw and able to do that again and again and, then and again celebrate in front of the other team's fans. That was what he would do. He'd go crazy. By the way, what would Haterade, which I'm really into now as a marketing <laughs> device, I think we should bring that to market. What would Haterade taste of, David? You. <laughs> <laughs> West Ham won, Arsenal nil, a second half winner from young starlet. My Declan Dyle. Rice, who turned 20 yesterday, gave the Irons a victory <sighs> over their crosstown rivals for the first time since 2006. An impressive feat by Unai Emery in just his second attempt. The story of this game, Hammers' new acquisition, our old Premier League pal, Samir Nasri. Oh, the Samir Nasri Memorial Derby. Back after being out of the game for 18 months, following a doping ban, after receiving an intravenous treatment from Drip Doctors, that infamous Los Angeles clinic. Have you been, David? Never. Uh, we want to say it's not. It's not a front for prostitutes. Just absolutely not. <laughs> Drip Doctors of Los Angeles. We repeat, not a front for prostitutes. But wow, they love him at West Ham. One came in, he is a West Ham man. He served his dope. 
Pink Ben, Nasri. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, it, it, God, again, another footballer for whom spite is the single greatest human motivator. He played a bit like that Florida man who was in the news yesterday for telling his neighbour that he wanted to kill him with kindness. Oh, and then came in with a machete called kindness. <laughs> he came out of his That was the most Florida story of all time. <laughs> he ran out with a huge machete. machete on which he'd written kindness. Yeah. I've got to say, sight gags. Yeah. Are they not the funniest <laughs> gags? Oh, yeah. Of course. He only went and had a hand in the goal, David. He sets up. Declan Rice, Declan Rice like puts it home. And, you know, London derbies, one of the reasons it's so hard, I, I maintain it's harder for a London team to win the title than for a team from the they've North. they've got so much more money than the rest of the teams in oh, the yeah, Man United, they don't know Man what United, to spend it on. Man United and Liverpool are so the poor. The biggest problem is what should we and spend Man City, it on? Them? Man United, Man City, Liverpool are so poor. They, London teams hate each other. They properly hate each other. The fans hate each other. There is so much. You must love London derbies, Roger. There's so much hate. Take each and other so, out, lads. It's just tough. So West Ham fans celebrating, they just love beating Arsenal. Declan. Rice, the hot new thing, potent holding midfielder. He's been compared at 19 years of age, which he mm. was when he scored the goal. He's now 20. Decision-making wise and leadership wise to 1966 English captain Bobby Moore. He's fresh off mm. a new contract. Oh, when he scored, just a moment of unbridled delight. It's beautiful. A moment you just know he's going to remember as long as he lives. And West Ham, you think about them now as like the island of broken toys, Zabs, Pellegrini, Andy Carroll, Nazari, the most West Ham signing of all time. But they do actually have a pride, a real pride in, in the long line of young talents that they produce. Lampard, John Terry, Rio Ferdinand, Cole, Carrick. And that supply line had become a little bit constipated. So Rice, kind of new evidence, new green shoots, brighter days ahead for West Ham's slightly dodgy owners, David Gold and Sullivan, two pornographers known across football as the Dildo Brothers, whose team are surging. Hammers have won now six of their last nine Premier League games, but Arsenal, bloody hell, David, they were terrible in this one. They've wobbled a little recently, Roger, after such an impressive run under Unai Emery after the opening of the season. And it's sort of easy feel like teams have figured them out a little bit teams you know old arsenal tropes returning not liking it up them in the middle you know conceding one clean sheet in their last 15 conceding sloppy goals while they're complaining about some decision that was made against them with some alleged offense that took place like two minutes earlier no result mystery man now, Torreira on the bench. Mm. I mean, they just seemed innocuous and declawed. The news that they're now only looking for loans at January, despite oh, the obvious need with that back line. Ramsey bailing, just a new manager not being backed with new signings out of the gate. I went out this week with my Arsenal supporting mate, Michael Cohen. Oh, we love Michael Cohen. You know and love. I, told, I asked him how he's handling it, and he just goes... <laughs> He goes, not interested, not interested. Really? Week to week. Yeah. Not interested week to week anymore under Stan Kroenke. Not interested. He said he's happy with the memories of glory uh-huh. that he banked at Highbury. Imagine my voice but in thick Cockney yeah. twang. I'm happy with the memories of glory I banked at Highbury. I wrote this down on yeah, a napkin. I don't, don't believe him. He said, oh, I hope I die old in Florida. He said, I hope I die in a retirement community in Boca Raton. And then my last words are, just before I drop dead, oh, I guess I picture that drop of blood that signifies death in 1980s made-for-TV movies just rolling out the corner of his mouth. Don't die, Michael Cohen. He goes, my last words are going to be, at least Tottenham never won it. 
Uh. <laughs> he said, that's my only joy week yeah. to week. He said, my joy is my memories of Ivory and the fact that Tottenham's present is constantly self-sabotaging. It's nice to have big dreams, right, kids? Quick note, Peter Cech retiring after 20-year career. Wow. Rhapsodized. Dave out. What a player. What a player. Another player who did it for two teams. No one dislikes him But in a nice Chelsea. way. Well, yeah. Nice I just, way. What a what a What a gentleman. What a great keeper. A player who played through a horrific head injury. You know, my enduring memory of him is the Champions League final and that embrace at the end of the penalty <sighs> shootout for Didier Drogba. Oh. He said since that that whole thing was done for Didier Drogba, that it was not about the team, it was all for Drogba. And it just is an enduring image. Just what a gentleman, what a great teammate. Beloved, honestly, by every player. You never hear True. a bad word about Petr Cech. Beloved by every player. 202 Premier League clean sheets, yeah. four Premier League titles, five FA Cups, the Champions League that you mentioned, a Europa League. Many have only seen him in his later years as that kind of wise, old, tired, helmet-headed drummer legend. But I've got to say, in his peak, when he came through at Chelsea, those first seasons, Davo, it used to be like Chelsea took the field in every single game with a 1-0 lead before kickoff just because he was in goal. He was that good, that dominant, a legend, and as you say, a great, great man. Yeah, I mean, I think Schmeichel, Peter Schmeichel, Casper's dad, was the first goalkeeper you saw who sort of redefined the position in terms of his athletic build, his, and his athleticism aggression. and his aggression. And I think... Not as good a drummer. And I think Petr was the sort of the modern uh, version of that. But also tactically a real thinker, a really, really smart player, amazing at organising the back line and just brilliant teammate. OK, Rog, Cardiff City, nil, Huddersfield, nil, oh. a turgid affair that proved to be... Uh, David Wagner's last game in charge of the Terriers. It was announced yesterday that the German-American manager and club agreed to part ways. Don't go breaking my heart. Mm. Yes, after nine consecutive defeats before this one, David Wagner has had his last vision at the helm of Huddersfield. No more yeah, visions, no David. More visions. I feel genuinely sad about this. I really yeah. do, because he is a great man, amazing manager, greatest tribute to his leadership that I could think of, Davo. We almost began to take it for granted that Huddersfield were Premier League. I have a mug I drink my coffee out of every morning. It says, Huddersfield, we're Premier League. With that budget, with that quality of squad, coming from that tiny town, this close-knit tiny town, it was a bloody miracle that he got them up. There's no romance in the Premier League. Every miracle has to end. Uh, I have no doubt that he will be back. I'll just say, if the US soccer had not been in such a rush and been so quick to hire Greg with two Gs, Berhalter... Uh-huh. I jest, I jest. Wagner never would have been an international manager at this stage in his career. It's a decade away at least, but it's coming. Oh, okay, Rog. Leicester one, Southampton two. The Saints vault out of the relegation vault. zone, taking all three points at the King Power, despite playing the entire second half with ten men after Jan Valery received Valerie. back-to-back yellow cards. Oh, it's a weird game. It showcased the two different kind of emotional experiences managers can have. You got Leicester. Football's most bipolar club. Claude Puel, his team are in eighth. He's, he's beaten Manchester City and Chelsea, but it looks like he's not going to be with us for much longer. Modern football is about entertain or die, mm. not stasis. And Leicester have Wolves and Liverpool, United, Spurs to follow a brutal murderer's row of a schedule. But all hail Ralph Hassan Hudley. Yeah, the rabbit hutch. Oh, his team were reduced to 10 men. They would have crumbled. In the pre, I don't know if any Southampton fans I can can imagine or remember the pre-Ralph era. Mm. I mean, here they didn't fear adversity; they held on. This new Ralph Hampton, yeah, 
Yeah, proof that Cottontail Bunny Resolve is the best resolve uh, up to 16th mm. for Rabbit Hutch. Quee! Crystal, Quee! that's a guinea pig, Rog. It's not the same as a rabbit. <laughs> Crystal, but however hard you try. Anyway, thanks to everyone <laughs> who sent me Quee! Email Ecuadorian eating, eating guinea pig stories by our radio. We've had so Ugh. bloody many. They're apparently coming in. It's the latest thing in American Ugh. cuisine. Ecuadorian. Quee! No, it's not. The Crystal Palace won Watford 2. It was actually the home side that struck first in this one, Roger. In the 38th minute, Abdullah Decore whacked it off teammate Craig Cathcart and into the <laughs> Watford net for arguably the crappiest crap you goal of all time. I loved it. A stone-cold lock for FIFA's Phil Jones' own goal of the year award. But Cathcart giveth, Cathcart taketh away. The Northern Irish headed home in the 67th minute to equalise, paving the way for a thumping Tom Cleverly volley. Remember oh. him, Rog? Yes, you heard that right. A thumping Tom Cleverly volley to win it for the Orns Watford oh. move into 7th place so it's lovely to see Tom Cleverly back he's been out for almost an entire year with back to back debilitating injuries fantastic winner fantastic finish for a lovely almost a the last great old school football. Burnley 2, Fulham 1. The Cottagers managed to lose despite scoring all three of the game's <laughs> goals. Andre Shirley got the scoring started in the second minute with an absolute howitzer. But back to back. Yeah, straight into a Wolf Blitz <laughs> situation, situation Zimmer. Uh, but back to back, Fulham own goals win it for the Clarets, who now have four straight victories in all competitions, three straight in the league. Spank it into the Wolf Blitz situation room. Come on. It was just an amazing performance by Burnley, who won a game. This is true, dear listener. Uh Burnley won a game without having a shot on target, yet scoring twice. Thank you, own goal gods. I I love Burnley manager Sean Dyche, hear the gravelly voice and ginger beard. Uh Before the game, he was asked how he'd gotten Burnley's season back on track, and Uh he looked into the camera and he said, with all seriousness, he goes, we'd lost the eye of the tiger, (laughs) but our edge is back now. I just love that, Dave that's so good. He's either got absolutely no idea how he got Burnley back, which is a, which is a possibility, uh-huh. or he just really, 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 really believes in the music of 1970 prog rock band Survivor. I like the idea that he played that Survivor track yes! in the dressing room, yes! and that's what sparked the turnaround. Yes, I imagine him just being like, we were losing games when I used to play a theme for Footloose. Loggins, Kenny Loggins, <laughs> just not cutting it. I said, lads, do you want to go like... Do you want to go like Toto, Africa, you know, soothe things, nerves before the game? Well, we're going all in on Survivor and they're just like, is there a better song for Burnley for a cold afternoon in Burnley, Davo, than rising up back on the street? Did my time, took my chances. Very much a Radio 2 playlist, our British listeners will understand that. the distance, now I'm back on my feet, just a man and his will to survive. When you play that right before you go on, rising up back from the street, Mm. own goals will float. Finally, Everton 2, Bournemouth nil. Second half goals from Chelsea Loney, Kurt Zuma, you're welcome, Rog, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. See your boys moving to the top half of the table. Well done, Rog. Okay, your weekend looks... Oh, no, I'm going to let you talk about it. You are. It's not what to talk about, to be honest. What do you want to say about... It was crap. What do you want to say about It was crap. Not a lot, mate. And the deep, mid, three-dimensional table in which they reside. Not a huge amount, because... That first half of that football game, honestly... It, that might be my least favourite TV show of all time. Yeah, I mean, Everton had lost four of the last five going in. They had yeah. not won at home since 24th of November. Bournemouth, uh-huh. I think, had lost like 10 out of their last 13 or something crazy. 10 out crazy. of their last eight. Everton had just come off their annual general meeting where our owner, Farhad Mashiri, talked about how the club position was not okay which kind of put Marco Silva's revolution on incredibly thin ice. And you could uh-huh. tell from the players' reaction to the goals they scored, just relief, 
you know, they, uh, Zuma ran to hug Silva, pointed at Duncan Ferguson, the, the, the club legend who was the man who dunked a soccer ball with his head. He, he was, we used to joke about him. He could head a soccer ball so hard, a football, that if he was taking a penalty, he probably would have taken it with his head, Duncan Ferguson. Zuma ran over to celebrate with both of them. And they were lucky, really. Bournemouth dominated for much of that first half. Everton remained harder to look at than Jeff Bezos's sex. And I'll <laughs> say this. This is what I realized. We won the game, biggie, biggie. Being an Everton fan has always been about cheering for the overachievement of a collective. And this season, all that transfer money splurged, all the expectations raised. We're a bunch of underachieving individuals, which, which to me, I've watched Grim Football. We, you've known me since I've watched Grim Football under Walter Smith in the old days, David Moyes of some dark days, Sam bloody Allardyce still fills my nightmares. This fearful kind of half ass fair under Silver, where the player's kind of not giving a crap, it is so hard to stomach because we have the individual talent to do so much more, David. So much more. So not what you're looking for, little Tony Hibbert. I love that song, Steve though, Rod. I love, I love the dark. song. Marco Silva's revolution is on incredibly thin nice. <laughs> <laughs> Marco Silva, I know you're listening to this. Suggestion. Just put on Eye of the Tiger before the lads. Yeah, there Just you go. Just put it on. Take a leaf Lookman. out of the dice. Yeah, Lookman will love he it. He loves it. He loves Survivor. Your weekend looks like this, Rog. Top of the table, Liverpool hosts Crystal Palace at 10 a.m. Eastern Time Saturday on NBCSN. <sighs> that game is followed by a massive clash in the race for massive. top four as Arsenal play Chelsea at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Network NBC. And Sunday, Spurs look to get back on track against own goal experts Fulham at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on NBCSN. <laughs> Let's have a prophetic shot of Jägermeister. See what's going to happen, Roger. Me first. Yeah. Oh, I love this moment in the podcast. Really only one of my happiest moments of the week. Oh. <laughs> oh. It's like an exclamation point in a glass. Tells me, Dave, we're going to watch, oh, this is the Jägermeister talking, a mm. team that cannot defend, playing accidents waiting to happen like Mustafi and Jacker, facing a team that find it constipated, a bit hard to score, Azard, false nine. This Jägermeister tells me the same thing that my pie told me on the television show. It's going to be 1-0 Chelsea. Mm. Christian Pulisic with the winner. <laughs> Just another casual everyday yeah. miracle by the man J-Dubs calls. Hershey Jesus. My Jägermeister taste of an inspired Arsenal, Rog. I think that loss at West Ham will have left them a little angry. I see Unai Emery putting Lucas Torreira back in the 11 and that Uruguayan Mighty Mouse putting his stamp all over the game. I'm going Arsenal 2, Chelsea 4, Rog. Oh, I'm tuning in for that. I'm tuning in for that. I think Chelsea are going to take them. You I honestly, I never think Chelsea are going to. I think Chelsea are going to take them. Bare bottom. Rog. Not bare bottom. Not, gonna it's going to be a fiery game. It's going to be close for a lot of it. As... As likes playing against Arsenal, he's scored some great goals Let's against Arsenal. Let's do it for Arsenal. Sesk. And I look at those. Let's do it for Sesk. I look now at that back line of Arsenal, and I just think they're going to have trouble controlling him. Honestly, I love you, alive girl. Okay, there are many other ways to connect to us, including our now extinct Amazon Emporium, which has transformed into the Men and Blazers Bald Mart. Anytime you buy something big or small from the Bald Mart, we get a tiny percentage. Of tiny percentage. What are you putting in the Bald Mart this week, Rochelle? Oh, a book. Yep. The Lonesome Bodybuilder by Yukiko Matoya. It is a magnificently whimsical collection of short stories mm. that fuse true emotional intelligence with just a dose of magically surreal imagination. Mm. Best stories are about marriage yeah. and relationships. Mm -hmm. She really captures the stifling, oppressive closeness and the deep disconnects that still remain amidst the longing and aspiration to be alive, to live, is to be deeply unfulfilled. It's also Everton-y. If you like Japanese culture, 
intricate, curious, mischievous, oh, brilliantly written short stories. Oh, you kick in with Toya. She wrote this for you. Uh, Rog, I've been moving a lot. I'm in the middle of a, of a series of nightmare again. coordinated moves. This will be the last time, Rog. No, I, I don't love, love moving. moving. This will be the last time. I'm moving out of an apartment in New York City. Are you moving uh, in with Marie Kondo? No, I'm moving back into my old house. And then at the same time, I'm moving a bunch of furniture, Chaos. shifting it between my little place at the beach. And your and, archive. And my... At Edinburgh University. And this rental house uh, that I've got out you, in Los what Angeles. What about your archive? When you set your... The archive. No, the archive is not, is, is not yet. It's only go upon death to the University of Edinburgh. Really? Mine is going to Liberty University or Trump University. <laughs> one or the other. One I've got to flip a coin. I know. Exactly. The, the holders of both your degrees. <laughs> um, so uh, I've been moving a lot. And I've got to tell you. Moving, and I don't know any of our younger listeners haven't done a lot of moving or your parents have been involved and you're, you're moving yourself. I've done a lot of U-Haul work. I'm going to give you a couple of pieces of advice. Please. Small boxes are way, are just way more useful than big boxes. The problem with big boxes, you just put a bunch of stuff in them and then you can't carry them and the boxes break. Yeah. You just got to use that. small boxes over big boxes whenever when possible. Only put light items. You only put light items in big boxes like some bedding, a couple of pillows, things like that. You've got to put small boxes are very important. Also, number two, number two, important, Rog, labeling. You've got to label things well. You've got to label where it was in your old place and where you want it to go in your new place. You've got to remember what's in a box. It's going to help you so much on the other side. And then finally, Rog, packaging tape. Tape. It's crucial. Tape is crucial. It's everything. And, tape is and life. you need a tape dispenser, Rog. I highly recommend the Uline Heavy Duty Tape Dispenser. Uh, it's just an excellent product. You hold it, feels quite manly. It's got a like, good do handle. You like you, do you feel like you're, you're achieving it, things it just makes, by holding it? Yeah, and it also just makes that the, the sound of using a good tape dispenser when you're moving. Just you can you can all imagine it now. That wonderful as you as you pull the tape across it's and you get satisfying. it and you cut it off. It's just excellent. I like having. Do a good you walk tape around dispenser. in your hand just as like lots of people are just moving Look, things all I'm around? Saying is, is the feeling all I'm saying is, is, is when the movers show up, yeah. and I've, I like to participate in the move. I'm not just telling them what to go and do. I like to participate. I feel like by I've driving got the, res- the U-Haul. No, I feel like I've got respect to the moving guys because of my ability with a heavy duty tape dispenser. Oh, mate, and my knowledge of of, of, of labeling I, and small boxes over moving. large boxes. I genuinely fear change. You'll never move. I pray to God that someone finds me in a hundred years, just like in my apartment with a huge pile of newspapers just toppled over and killed me. That means you'll have been dead for more than 50 years That's at the point fine. that someone I'm finds I'm okay you. with that. That's I'll, nice be in my, children. I'll be near my couch, near yeah. my television. There'll be football still on. Yeah, you'll be There'll making be like... notes on some game. Years after we've had the last Men in Places <laughs> TV show, you'll still be doing shot notes FIFA, and, and FIFA Game of Thrones references 30 years after it's left the air on some little, game between I'll be in my little Grimsby oh. and oh, who knows, Scunthorpe who in the new Premier Gillingham, League. Who knew that Premier League? Oh, I'll be that. I'll tell you what I will be wearing. This is a slight plug for a brand that I of only wear I have no relationship with but it's changed my life Glerups little Danish slipper I've never been a slipper person and I've just got a pair of Glerups and I just look them up of course you're a slipper person you're a you're a you're you're a cardigan person Rog and cardigan people (laughs) are also you you always were a slipper person I've been breaking the law no you always were a slipper person you just didn't know there's always a slipper person person that lay within unleash the slipper beast that lies within with Glerups I should be doing their commercials genuinely I've just Mm. got a pair they are so cosy I never want to leave my couch Okay, Rod. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Men and Blazers, at MC Davis, at Rod Bennett, Instagram, 
at Men in Blazers at embassy underscore Davies Facebook Men in Blazers you can always email us at menandblazers at gmail.com buy a book Encyclopedia Blazer Tanaka oh. for yourself your new football loving friends it's available and all good booksellers all good including, <laughs> including Amazon, <laughs> including, uh, Rog including one of the great sexta poet bobs <laughs> Vendorpunk Rog War Pig who wants to sex Matumbo I like snaps balls win balls win Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. To Tweed. Avocado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu Fighting America. Jeff Bezos, he's a great bald, Rog. He is a power bald. Love you, Davo. Love you, Rog. Lads, you can either put on Survivor <laughs> or Total by Africa. Please choose Total by Africa.